today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The city of Hamilton has a new chief of police. Uh, Frank Bergen was uh, sworn in in a ceremony at Hamilton City Hall on Friday to suggest that uh, Chief Bergen has a lot on his plate right now. Uh, it would be a massive understatement. Uh, but to that end, uh, since there is so much to discuss and so much to talk about, uh, we start off the program by uh, welcoming the new chief of police, uh, Chief Frank Bergen, to the Bill Kelly Show. Uh, chief, thank you so much for the time. Glad you could join us today. Bill, thank you very much, and uh, what a great opportunity to actually have this time with you. Uh, very signif- significantly, obviously, it's our start of Police Week, and uh, the theme of this uh, week is obviously uh, working in partnership with our community. So thank you. Well, first and foremost, congratulations. I know it was uh, quite a competition. A number of people uh, from right around uh, North America, I understand, actually applied for this. And uh, congratulations on uh, being the choice for this. You're certainly not new to Hamilton Police Services. You're certainly not new to Hamilton. You've been here for a long, long time now. Uh, But, Chief, and you mentioned in your remarks on Friday, uh, you said we today we face questions about the legitimacy of policing, which, which I assume you mean in a much broader sense. Police services right across North America seem to be facing the same challenges. How do you address that now as Chief? Chief. Thank you very much, Bill, for that as well and, and for the clarity. Um, yeah, we, we've certainly had some challenges uh, since 2019 after the Pride event with regards to some fractured trust. Uh, but more, um, I guess, more significantly, uh, coming in the aftermath of the uh, uh, horrible interaction with uh, George Floyd, uh, certainly that legitimacy then was um, seen on the streets all across North America. And it not only was part of the Black Lives Matter, uh, but it also certainly on our forecourt and, and within our streets um, really encompassed the whole defund policing. And, and that legitimacy of policing in, in some areas should also be discussed because there are certainly uh, avenues of policing and, and that have gone outside the coloring lines where again we may not be the appropriate uh, service provider. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because that's part of the discussion and, and it bleeds right into us as something that has become a very popular phrase, especially on social media. I know you're aware of that, Chief. It's a, the, the defunding police, I was going to call it a movement because it seems to be a, in some communities something that, that a lot of people are gravitating toward right now. I, now, as we've said on this program, I think that whole concept of defunding police uh, can go in so many different ways here right now. Uh, I, I, and by the way, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of simply taking money away from police services unless there's going to be a, an evaluation as to exactly what police are doing and how they're doing it. How do you see this argument and how do you see you, you and police services here in Hamilton addressing that? Uh, Bill, I think actually we're at the exact same juncture in this conversation. Uh, it is really a larger conversation about at uh, this time police are the default service provider. Uh, this is our opportunity to make sure that we can absolutely um, assist, uh, work alongside of, and transfer some of those responsibilities uh, to these amazing service providers in this community. Uh, Mission Services, Wesley, uh, St. Joseph, CMHA, Grenfell, uh, the housing and, and peer support that we get out of the um, you know, Hamilton Regional Indian Center, Shelter Health Network, the YMCA, Living Rock, just to name a few. Uh, this is an opportunity to be able to truly realize what I'd said uh, on Friday is not just the words on the pages in the binders of community safety and well-being planning, but this is the actual um, operations of it and and allowing us to shift that reliance on on the police being the emergent response to the incident to to really about risk prevention, about prevention, and and really um, starting to adhere to the principles of crime prevention through social development. 
And we've heard that that idea in the past, uh, the, you know, ter terms like community policing and things of this nature. And, and, and as you know, past chiefs of police have tried to initiate that sort of activity. Uh, has that process failed? Has it stalled? How do you see it now? I don't know if it's a failure, uh, Bill. It's just, uh, something right now that we have in our hands. It's something that is right before us. Uh, this city will be introduced to the plan, which will be going to council in June and July of this year. So why wouldn't we grasp that opportunity? So it's not about a failure. It's about an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us now. One of the, one of the things that I think would be a hallmark to this has been the cooperation with the homeless protocol. And, and in this community, uh, our challenges, I think we all agree, is about homelessness, harm reduction, poverty, mental illness. So why would we not take already uh, a great protocol, a great working relationship where everybody has uh, an opportunity to assist the client? We share the same client. Why don't we all just sort of say, okay, uh, in Frank Bergen's case, Frank needs addiction assistance. Frank needs stable housing. Uh, why don't we then all sort of say, okay, uh, this is the service provider that works here, and it may not be police, and in some cases it shouldn't be police. The uh, hallmark that a lot of people will point to is the city of Seattle, of course, which went through this exercise that you've just described. Uh, and, and a lot of people were looking at that and saying, there's a victory because the Seattle uh, uh, City Council actually defunded police. And that's not actually true. I know that you've done some analysis on that. Uh, what they did is exactly what you described. They reallocated resources to other services to supply that instead of police being the first responders to a number of those. And yes, it did uh, ultimately result in, in, in fewer dollars going into the budget, but those dollars simply went to those other services. So, I mean, there was a zero sum, really. It was just a matter of who was going to do what. Is that what you foresee happening here? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. And, and respectfully, uh, Seattle in that experiment might have been um, energized by something completely different. If you remember, the true downtown core experience was to exclude police in its entirety. Yeah. And, and then, then you end up having civil disobedience, uh, people arming themselves, uh, looting and a lot of stuff. So I don't think that's the right characterization. Uh, I, this here is, is much simpler. This is this is us agreeing that there are there are amazing service providers in our community that actually can can do street mental health assistance, can can assist with addictions, can have outreach nurses, peer support, housing, youth support, and and it's allowing us to understand that servicing the client is, is let's make sure that they get the appropriate resource. That doesn't mean it excludes us, and it doesn't mean that you just take the blotter of, of a budget and you just cut off 20, 30 percent. Uh, we still need to be part of it. The other area, Bill, is, is we have core function policing, and core function policing is still a requirement, and I would argue that we still have absolutely a need in our community for crime prevention, law assistance, assisting victims, public order, emergent response. We have 380,000 radio calls a year, and that's our average. Out of that, 200,000 are the 911. That's our role. That's our swim lane. But with regards to the 180,000, it's not just a blanket number that we, re we remove. It's that transfer. It's that partnership in order to make sure that we send the appropriate response to the need. Another phrase that that I wanted to grab up on uh, in your uh, comments on Friday, Chief, was uh, building trust is not an event, it's a process. Uh, as, as Chief, day one of your, your job here, I guess, officially, uh, what's the first step in that process? 
Thank you, Bill. And, I, and I've said to the board as well, we've had these conversations already, and, and I'm so fortunate to have the support of, of, of Deputy Ryan Diodati and CAO Anna Felice. So we've already had a conversation of what does the first 90 days look like? Um, and some of them are easier than, than others, uh, but we've heard from Scott Bergman and we've heard about the importance of, of a liaison um, uh, with the community. Uh, I want to make sure that we can realize what liaison teams look like and, and to truly reflect the diversity of our city. So in that area, I, I'm looking at um, the important sage advice I get from Evelyn Meary and, and Gary Warner who say, you know what, we need a black consultative committee. We need a South Asian consultative committee. Fifteen of our officers and myself included uh, were at the IFTAR on, on King Street East last night. Uh, there's a community that just is so wonderful, embracing uh, us in partnership. Um, the Indigenous community and, and more than just participating with Sisters and Spirits and National Flag Raising Days, uh, we actually need to sit down and, and to look at representation within our community. So it's that type of liaison and commitment to Chief's consultative tables or advisory tables and truly also um, support the work of our EDI program, which is looking at a five-year plan, but within the first 90 days, I think there's a lot to be done there. We need to talk about hate. Um, one thing that we're looking at is the success of our um, sexual assault com community uh, re um, review team, and that came out of 2017, and the Globe and Mail talked about uh, you know, the proliferation of unfounded sexual assault charges. We can do the same thing with hate. We can bring together a representation from HARC, from HCCI, at Dr. Joseph's, uh, the Crown Attorney's Office, our community, and start saying, okay, this is how we identify an incident, this is how we identify a crime and just having a better understanding about hate in our community. And finally, uh, the one thing that I absolutely want to hit the ground running with is regards to the realization of the community safety and well-being that we just spoke about. And that is um, shoring up our response in the mobile crisis response, social navigator and coast but truly putting together that table, that situational table, focus table, as they call in Toronto, of where these actual people sit around a room and we, uh, we look at client support. And, and it's a laudable goal, and, and I know we've had some levels of success in that in the past, and, and you've seen that happen, of course, in your time here in Hamilton. Uh, but there's a, there are a couple of obstacles here that I'm, I know you're aware of, but I wanted to know how you're going to approach this. One, of course, is, is almost uh, contradictory messages. Uh, there are some people, and we hear about this all the time, that say, look, we need more police presence. You know, we just, just somebody just this morning emailed me and said, look, if there are car break-ins in our neighborhood, where are the police in situations like that? The other side of that, of course, Chief, is you're hearing from some of those groups that you've just identified that's saying uh, we don't want to see them everywhere we don't want to see uniforms every place uh, there's a concern about that they feel intimidated by those uniforms how do you find that balance and how do you address those two uh, Bill, you could not have nailed it better. It's about a balance, about making sure that we have uh, really where, where do police need to be? And, 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 and again, what are those engagements and partnerships? And, and also, what are the complex needs? So in those three areas that I'll be looking at with our team is making sure that we use truly uh, crime analysis to make sure that we are actually where we need to be. A great example of that um, is, is what we did in Project Strong. And, and I know um, CHML reported on that. So over three, three months leading into the fall of, of 2020, uh, we had 21 shootings, and those were gang-related. So using crime analysis and actually trying to do a little shift from what we used to do, we used to always put cops on dots based on crime analysis. Really, we should have the cops already there in those neighborhoods. So we did a whole-of-service response, and, and, and what an outcome. We 125 
Uh, people charged, 850 charges, 26 weapons recovered, 350,000 in cash, $1.8 million in narcotics. But you know what, Bill? The best part of that is we've had zero gang shootings in this uh, calendar year and we're already into uh, starting the second week of May. So it's really about just being a little bit smarter about the deployment. And the last part about that is really, really demonstrating and, and, and sitting down in partnership. And, and that shifts from, from a primary response to a priority response. And, and I'll do my best to find what that balance looks like, but I won't do it alone. I'll do it with, with, with consultation. We'll be inclusive in our conversations. Uh, part of the goal and what I worked out with the board and how we agreed what the next five years would be um, really you know, remembered at and what will be my legacy is I want to be actively accountable and trusted. I want to be inclusive and collaborative, and we have to be transparent and engaged. And, and at the end of the day, that also is how we will be sustainable and affordable, Bill. One of the other questions, and there's lots more to talk about, as we know, Chief, but we'll do that in the weeks ahead. I'm, I'm sure that we'll probably reinitiate the, uh, the Chief's town halls uh, once we get back to some sense of normal here in the next little while. But I want to ask you about uh, one of the other major concerns I'm hearing from an awful lot of groups right now, and that's basically who's in those uniforms, who's making those decisions, even in administrative roles. Uh, concern about whether or not police services and well, by extension, the Police Services Board, but that's not your, your wheelhouse. But Police Services itself needs to be a better reflection of what's in this community and who's in this community. Uh, I, I know that you've served some time in Toronto Police Services. They seem to have done a pretty decent job of trying to uh, uh, recruit and attract people and, and build relationships with some of those communities. Uh, Hamilton's got a lot of work to do there. How do you address that? Yeah, we're, uh, we're open for business, but we're also open to make sure that we can actually reflect the diversity of our city. When I talk about what I believe our commitment over the next five years and within our first 90 days, it is, it's that transformational social change. And the reality is if we can truly uh, to demonstrate to our community that we can start the liaison and, and looking at the importance of Rebecca Morin not doing the job on the side of a desk, but actually be assigned to a liaison leadership role to start bringing these tables together, the, the consultation advisory tables. It, that's the only way, Bill, that we will demonstrate that trust, that, that process of trust in order to make sure that we can actually reflect the diversity of the city. It's important, Bill, that not only that we attract, but we develop and we retain what is truly the, the rich diversity of this amazing city. You, you want to reach out to Asian communities, to, to the black community, to, to other communities and say, hey, you know, we want you on police services. How do you, how do, you do that? Bill, uh, you do it just by starting this conversation today. And as I said, we're open for business. Last, last night at the IFTAR, uh, every opportunity, and it's amazing to see the youth within that community that are out there handing out food to the community. Uh, and, and that's the interactions. Those are the positive interactions uh, that we have to continue to build on. During Police Week, uh, I hope everybody takes an opportunity just to listen to the amazing stories. Uh, we, we use it as an opportunity to showcase some of the stuff we do. Uh, and to your point earlier, Bill, uh, we, we hear about the negative a great deal. And I've already been speaking to our corporate communications branch, and, and this is a great opportunity as well to tell our story. And, and our story is a good story, Bill. I, I can tell you in my 39 years, I have been so fortunate so fortunate because I've been involved in so many great interactions, but we never really talk about those. What we see in the newspaper and, and what we unfortunately have to be reminded about are when policing goes bad. Uh, there are some great stories in this community. Let's hope that together we can tell them. 
Chief of Police Frank Bergen, uh, new chief of the City uh, of Hamilton Police Services. Uh, as I say, Chief, our time is limited today. Thank you uh, so much for spending some time with us, and I look forward to our future conversations. Uh, take care of yourself and stay well. Thank you. Have a great week and enjoy Police Week, and thank you, everybody, and, and thank you, Bill, for the uh, support and for everybody's support. I, I hope my best to uh, make sure that we can work together and we can demonstrate a new beginning for the Hamilton Police Service. Thanks again, Chief. We'll talk again soon. That's uh, Hamilton Chief of Police, new Hamilton Chief of Police, Frank Bergen. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.